Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rulure Tech Podcast. I am your host, Dan Cavallari, joining you all the way from Colorado here in the United States. And uh, it is blisteringly cold out today. It just snowed. Uh, so I'm hunkered down in the garage and I had to turn my heater off because it's too loud. So if you hear me shivering, I apologize in advance. Uh, hopefully my guests today are in slightly warmer climes, at least in their, in their offices and in their homes. Uh, so today I want to talk a little bit about uh, uh, clothing. So Several years ago, you know, I've covered a few Tour de France's now, and I think it was 2016, I want to say. They all kind of blend together after a while because I'm a lucky boy and have been able to go to several. Uh, but I think it was 2016 when all of a sudden we started to see tons of advancements in aerodynamics in clothing. Uh, you know, Team Sky at the time with their marginal gains uh, were always sort of working toward finding an edge. Uh, Movistar was working with Endura clothing at the time, uh, and, and we had all these skin suits coming out that were supposedly the fastest in the world, and, uh, and so it was sort of a big storyline then, and then it just sort of went quiet for a while, and now there's, there's more uh, advancements coming out. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that narrative and why we're seeing more advancements now, what it's like to sort of uh, uh, come up with these new aerodynamic processes and integrate them into clothing. So... To do that, uh, today on the line, I have uh, Blake Pond, who is the CEO and founder at No Pins Clothing. Uh, Blake, how's it going? It's good, thanks, Dan. Yourself? Uh, I'm I'm shivering, but okay. <laughs> yeah, good. Well, it's it's, it's nice and uh, warm here in North Devon. Oh. It's a bit wet, but it's definitely not snowed. So rub yeah. it in, rub it in. <laughs> uh, on the line, I also have uh, Xavier Disley, uh, the director at AeroCoach Ltd. in you in you the excuse me in the UK. Uh, and uh, Xavier, you are uh, I'm told a pretty smart guy and uh, <laughs> know a bit of a thing or two about aerodynamics. Welcome to the show. That's very kind. I think that's obviously subjective. Uh, we'll see, I think. <laughs> we'll test that today. Uh, Xavier, we're going to start with you because uh, you work with NoPins uh, to develop some of the aerodynamic technologies that go uh, into the clothing that ends up in the hands of consumers and I assume uh, in pros, pros' hands as well. Uh, so let's, let's start with that original question I had, which, you know, was, there was, a, there was that period of time where all of a sudden we were seeing these new technologies come out in aerodynamic clothing. And then, uh, it sort of went, uh, quiet for a bit. And now we're seeing more of that. What, what, what was that about? What, what, were there new advancements now over that course of, you know, five years, uh, that, that have improved clothing aerodynamics significantly? So I think the, the I mean for us the certainly with AeroCoach and Nopens in, in conjunction everything goes back to around kind of 2015, um, 2014 as well. So um, 
we were, I was originally um, making um, very small kind of additions that you could, that riders could stick on themselves to um, improve the aerodynamics, which was uh, little sort of leg strip things. Um, based off um, stuff that speed skaters had done uh, in the Winter Olympics and the Ghana Olympics. Um, and we saw some good improvements from, from doing that. That was back in 2015. And the, the idea of manipulating airflow over a rider's body happened in, in that kind of era, as you say. But previously to that, it was more about, you know, just making sure that you were getting rid of uh, wrinkles and making sure that your skin suit was tight and everything fit properly um, to an extent. Um, but people weren't really able, because of the technological um, limitations, you know, in the early 2000s and, and late 2000s, to be able to actually measure and understand how the airflow moves over a body, certainly from cycling speed perspective like people know aerodynamics is of course but to do it in cycling and to do it with fabric was quite tricky so um, the first things that we did in 2015 were doing legs um, which is kind of an easy thing to do because uh, the shape doesn't really change that much um, and it was you know it was an instant win really um, and we were together with no pins made some um, sort of uh, slip on calf guard things which had this integrated technology into them so um, that kind of kicked everything off really um, and I think that as the technology advanced people were able to measure things and that that's really um, something that we see across the industry whether it's power meters whether it's um, you know originally heart rate monitors um, and whether it's the ability to improve your aerodynamics it's it's your when you can when you can start measuring it and understanding the measurements, that's when the technological advances come. And you have those facilities at AeroCoach, correct? A wind tunnel and, and all of the, I assume you use some CFD as well. Yeah, very heavily CFD. So um, a lot of what we do is simulation, uh, which we all do in-house, which um, really gives us a lot of um, helpful info as to what to do when you then go to the tunnel. Um, but we really, we, we approach it kind of from a four-pronged perspective. The first thing is you do in CFD, it's much faster to do that, cheaper to do that. Then you take prototypes to a controlled environment like a wind tunnel. Then we take stuff to um, indoor velodromes and outdoor velodromes as well. It's really important to make sure that you do the, the triumvirate of like real life testing with wind tunnel, indoor and outdoor velodromes because um, I, I feel as though, and certainly this is something we've seen a lot in the past, that you can, you can heavily focus on one of those things and you may end up with something that's good. But if you focus on all of them, then you're very unlikely to come up with something that's um, that, that's slow or, or that, that, that hits the wrong, uh, ticks the wrong box, so as to speak. Um, so yeah, we, we the first thing we do is simulation and CFD, um, and then we kind of go from there. So for those of you listening, just to clarify, CFD means computational fluid dynamics, and that's basically uh, modeling in a computer before you uh, you know actually have a prototype in your hands. To, to basically estimate essentially what you know how the air will flow over it um, you know it's it's a computer modeling system that allows a lot of brands to sort of ha basically limit the amount of prototypes they actually have to make and take to a wind tunnel um, it, it refines the process makes it a lot quicker um, is that a fairly accurate assessment Xavier absolutely I will say that it is a is a total nightmare to do with fabrics it's really difficult um, and so you know we, we had a we had a big project with no pins where we spent an awful lot of time 
um, getting the meshes right and making sure that the surface textures were correct to, to accurately represent what's going to be happening when you when you stick a fabric onto a squishy body. Um, so yeah, when you when you let's say you're testing an airfoil or something, it's actually it's a lot easier. Um, there's complications in that as well, but um, but fabrics are, are very difficult indeed to do, um, which is why I think you see different companies coming up with different answers to the same question because they're answering they're trying to answer the question in the way that they uh, they see fit um, so we spend a lot of time on the protocols so before we even can like start you know completing prototypes or projects you set up the protocol and that takes forever and make sure that whatever you're doing there is going to is going to down the line actually work out in the real world and, and we'll talk about that in a moment about those those trips and, and what those actually do because you know, when, when consumers see these skin suits and these, these jerseys with these dimples on it and these, these you know, trips of various sorts, um, it's not as immediately clear what those actually do. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. And so I guess, um, be but before we do that, because I think this is a pretty important distinction between, uh, you know, aerodynamic testing a bicycle and aerodynamic testing a piece of clothing, which is that a body is constantly moving on a bicycle. So how do you counter for the, that, you know, the, the rider's body position or the fact that the body is always moving, uh, you know, how much of it, um, how do you account for that in the design of, of any particular garment? It's interesting for us with CFD as well, that it, we, we mainly use that for the seam position. Um, so as Xavier was saying, it's really hard to do the fabrics, um, in CFD, but then, uh, like you can use the, uh, the pressure maps to position seams. And I think that's, you know, how we position the original trips on the original trip suit. I mean, identifying that that's a problem as you've done there is step one. Um, and I think sometimes you see uh, companies that just use a static mannequin to develop um, fabrics and clothing, and that's a it. Do, it just doesn't work. Um, you know, it might work in some scenarios, but generally speaking, it, it doesn't. So um, we use a lot of live riders, um, and there are areas on the body that you have to design differently. So uh, let's say your torso, for example, the underside of your torso. We have technology on uh, some of our current suits that is there. Which, which, which works in some situations and isn't relevant in other situations. So we put the technology in there in terms of seam placement and you know the direction of fabrics and things like that. For some riders, they don't need that because the airflow is not actually getting into that area, but for other riders, they will do. So it's kind of a, you know, you, you get the benefit if you need it and if you, you don't, if you don't, from that perspective. Um, if you look at something like the uh, the legs on a rider, the upper leg, because obviously uh, most of what we do is UCI legal, right? So there, you can't have a, a full leg skin suit, and we can't. There are certain things we can't do with the fabrics. But if you have a look at the upper leg and how that moves up and down, and uh, we spend a ton of time um, figuring out how that influences the uh, the way the airflow moves over different riders and different hip positions and different body angles. So I mean, the answer is. You just work at it until you've figured out uh, uh, what's what's working and what isn't, because that sort of thing is quite difficult to simulate uh, in CFD. It's it is it is possible, but sometimes you um, you'll, you'll end up with a couple of answers which you then need to take to the tunnel to then go and test. Um, so you know we we do make different suits for different scenarios as well. So we actually make a, a track cycling suit which is designed for very high speed designed for riders with their body positions, you know, constantly moving. And then we have different textures in different areas to compensate for the body position not being completely static like you'd see on a TT bike. So I want to talk just briefly about the basics of aerodynamics and, and the concept of what you're trying to do when you're minimizing drag. 
so basically, you know, when we see this with airfoil shapes, right? The, the air flows uh, around the, the front of the object. And it basically it doesn't adhere exactly, but it flows around the sides. And then when it releases on the back end, it creates eddies of air, and that's drag. And that's what slows you down. Uh, and so what these trips, as you called them, right, these little, they, they often look like dimples or protrusions of some sort on, on clothing. Um, what those do, can you explain exactly what those are doing to help reduce those eddies of air? Sure. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you some more terminology as well, just to make, make things a bit clearer. So when we're talking about aerodynamic drag, it's represented by a, a number, a dimensionless number called CDA. Um, so the CDA of an object, and the object could be a bike frame, it could be a, a human being sat on a bike. Um, generally speaking, we talk about the whole bike and rider system CDA. That's made up of two parts, the CD, which is the, the drag coefficient, and the A. The A is the frontal area, so that's your silhouette. If you look at someone from the front and you know blank them off behind a green screen or something, the silhouette is the A part, measured in meters squared. And the CD is a number that kind of represents how aero the object is in, in total. And you multiply those two things together to give you your CDA. I'll give you the real world examples. Let's say you had a ping pong ball uh, and you had a javelin. They might both have the same frontal area, but the javelin has a lower CD, so the javelin's more aerodynamic and it'll travel further through the air. Okay, I think people could probably understand how that works. So that's, that's CDA. The, um, when we're talking about drag over an object, we have uh, the things that we're most interested in are, are pressure drag and friction drag. Pressure drag is largely determined by the shape of an object, so an airfoil has very low pressure drag, and friction drag is determined by the surface of the object. So when we're looking at uh, fabrics, we're predominantly looking at trying to reduce the friction drag. And as you say, the little molecules of air as they pass over an object um, will sometimes you know, pass very nicely and smoothly over the object. And at some point they will separate. There'll be a separation point where the air molecules are no longer flowing smoothly and, and, uh, and along the shape of the object itself, but they're flying out all over the place, creating eddies, creating what we call the low pressure wakes where they're sort of, yeah, turning back on themselves, that's the drag that slows you down. Okay, so the point of separation, if you can delay that and make that occur later in the object, so towards the back of the object, then that reduces the low pressure wakes and reduces the eddies and reduces your drag. One of the ways to delay the separation point is to manipulate the air molecules so they stay stuck to the surface for longer. Um, and you do that by inducing turbulence. So if you imagine an airfoil that's very smooth, the molecules will just smoothly cover, go over the top of it, no problem at all. That's called a laminar flow, where the air molecules are not flying about everywhere. Um, you can keep air molecules very close to an object when they're in turbulent flow, so sort of moving around a little bit, um, and that is what we're trying to do when we put a, a trip on something. It's laminar to start with at the front of the of the object. As it, before it starts to separate, we put a a, a device, you know, in, in, in aeroplanes, it's turbulators, where you uh, induce this turbulation and it basically allows the, it turns the air molecule into turbulent flow and then it sticks to the object for a little bit longer before it separates. That's a lot of jargon. I recognize that. But um, the, the general idea is that we're trying to manipulate the airflow to reduce the eddies. Yeah. So, so really, it's, if you think about it as like a straight line of airflow, it hits the trip and then kind of starts doing little tiny, tiny circles 
and then and then it becomes the 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 wake uh, as it separates from whatever object it is. So you're actually creating turbulence to reduce friction. It's almost counterintuitive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So turbulent flow is better than completely separated flow. So um, if you were to choose one of the two, you would choose the turbulent flow. So as a final concept here, now, if I'm a rider and I'm, you know, in a time trial, that's one thing because I'm going to be going a certain speed where these aerodynamic advantages will actually matter. What if I'm not a time trialist? What if I'm a climber? Um, do, I, do I need to have the most aerodynamic clothing? And, and, and if so, why? What is the advantage there if I'm not reaching, if I'm not constantly reaching the speeds where that aerodynamic advantage will actually be prevalent. Fine. So think about a climbing stage of the Tour de France. And last year's Tour de France, the number of stages which only went up, as in you started flat and then you went up at the end, very few. I think it was one, maybe two. Now, remember, you've got to go down the hill at the other side. And the speeds that you hit there are going to be very, very high indeed. Um, and not only that, when you, uh, when you climb... As long as you're climbing at over 25 kilometers an hour, which for pro cyclists is, you know, five, six percent gradient. Like it's it's something that you or I might climb very slowly. That's absolutely fine. But for the pros, they're doing it at a significant speed, which isn't so easy to see uh, on the on the TV screen. Um, and so aerodynamics, although it's very, you know, it is it is much less than you'd see in a time trial, does have an impact. And they're also saving energy up to the point of the climb. So you're a climber, you're stuck in the peloton, you want to be not expending your kilojoules, you want to make sure that you've got two, three, four, five hundred kilojoules left to play with at the end of a long stage, you'll be saving energy by sitting in the in the group, in the draft. Even with airflow going everywhere, aerodynamics is still still, you know, it's still occurring, it's still happening. Um, and then yeah, when you fly down the descents, you could be 10, 15 seconds up by the top, by the bottom of a dis of a of a long descent. Um, we did some modeling last year for um, Quebec, Team Quebec, um, and the Vun 2 stage was brilliant. Such a great example of how an aero bike and an aero equipment and skin suits and everything made a huge difference on the descent. Um, it was the, the top of the descent was a bit twiddly, right? But you know, the, the rest of it, you were saving like a, a significant amount. So it was like everyone rides aero everything. Yeah, fine, you're going up Vun 2, but you've got to come down it <laughs> before you then go up it again. So um, so yeah, climbing fine, but no, very few people just climb and then never go back down. That's all, uh, incredibly fascinating and, and quite complex stuff. And I'm glad that's your problem and not mine, <laughs> and, but Blake has a, has a different, uh, issue to contend with once we know the principles of aerodynamics and what will help clothing, uh, be faster at that point, Blake has to figure out how to integrate it actually into the, the physical product. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we get back, uh, we're going to talk to Blake about uh, incorporating all of these aerodynamic elements that uh, Xavier has, has helped develop into the actual product. We'll be right back. Why, hello there. Podcast interruption alert, but I will only take a few short moments to say that if you're enjoying this podcast, you will love the regular magazine. So if you're not a reader already, then you can subscribe at ruler.cc for as little as £6 per month. If you don't speak Northern Irish, that's six times 100 pennies. And for the price of a few coffees, you get regular columns from the wonderful Ned Bolting, myself, Orla Shinnow, 
Dunaway and some of the very finest independent cycling journalism there is, all wrapped up in a wondrously beautiful publication. Go to ruler.cc. I'll leave you to it. So my name is Oren Peleg and I'm an investor in LACA. Three things that really caught my eye. The first one is, is they're looking to change the insurance industry, which is a very large industry and I think needs change. The second thing is, is I'm deeply passionate about getting people onto wheel. We need to address our congestion and pollution crisis and I believe that two wheels have a massive role to play in that. And the third thing is, I can see a growing trend around companies building on the strong communities that they have. And I think Lacquer's business model in the way they tap into the community of cyclists is something that's very much on trend at the moment. We are back with the Ruler Tech Podcast. I am your host, Dan Cavallari. I'm still in Colorado. <laughs> My guests are still not in Colorado. <laughs> uh, but we're going to talk, before the break, we talked a lot about some aerodynamic concepts that can be a little bit tricky to understand. But the, the basic gist here is that uh, anytime you're you're trying to uh, reduce drag or, or make a piece of uh, clothing faster, you're talking about altering the way air flows over it. And so we have all the principles. But then, Blake, it lands in your hands, and you have to integrate all this into an actual product. Can you talk a little bit about that process, what, it, what it's like to sort of take this information uh, that, that you get from uh, Xavier and, and, and integrate it into a product, designing a product? And you mentioned that CFD kind of plays a big role in that, but uh, kind of give us a broader uh, landscape of, of how that product development happens. In the early days, I mean, Zav mentioned that we, one of the first products we uh, did were, were the trip socks. So I took um, Xavier's uh, trip concept, which is called ATS technology, um, and made that into, um, used, to used to stick those trips on. So you'd see riders at the starts of time trials, they'd be sticking the self-adhesive strips on their shaved legs, basically. Um, and and I, I came up with the concept of building that into a sock that you could pull on with the trips in the right place. So you didn't have to stick them on. And that was the first project product that we uh, we worked on collaboratively. Um, so sort of moving on down the line, basically uh, Zav is the guy that comes up with the aero ideas and concepts and tells me where things will be good to go using CFD, wind tunnels, his experience, real world testing. And I'm the guy who then scratches his head a little bit and says, oh, we can do this like this if we you know, make a seam in this position and we fold the seam in a certain way um, or I source a certain material that will um you know act uh, well in that position or even in some cases we will make our own material to to suit the needs and so when you're when you're assembling these i mean it's not just you know here's one big piece of fabric i'm going to stick these little dots on it the end it's it's a more complex process you have to source different materials uh even even sew them differently uh you know and and is that um is that process you know, is this a trial and error thing at the prototype phase where, you know, you, you build one and then you send it to the wind tunnel and come back with, with new data? Or um, by the time it reaches you, is it already fairly, you know, well-planned based on the CFD? Uh, at Nopins, we've got um, sort of pattern-making technology uh, so we can precisely locate 
where seams are going to go on um, the avatar of a, of a rider. So um, that combined with Xavier's CFD knowledge means that we can get pretty close uh, in the first iteration. But there's definitely, like, for example, with the flow suit, I think we went through about six or seven different iterations uh, where we were changing materials, tweaking seam positions until we came up with something that we were happy with as the final product um, and that we thought would work well for a variety of riders, a variety of speeds, and also in a variety of positions. I mean, there's no doubt that if you just focused on one rider in one position, you could probably hone that in even further. But that's what brings us back to what we were saying earlier. I'm trying to sort of make the the concept uh, a purchasable product that we know is going to work for all of our customers. Can you talk a little bit specifically about the flow suit? Um, I'm looking at the website right now, and, and you've got some of the aerodynamic testing data sort of generally in, in the photos here. And the tagline here is that this is the fastest skin suit we have ever tested that's UCI legal. Um, talk a little bit about the features of this skin suit. What makes it fast? I mean, what are the different sections of it? Um, how are some of these, you know, the trips uh, integrated into the suit? What are some of the physical characteristics of it? Yeah, so the um, the flow suit was our, our second iteration of this type of suit. Our first suit was called the trip suit, um, and we released that. Was that 2016, I think? We released the, the first suit we did, and that, that went on for a couple of years. Um, and then in 2018, uh, we, developed the, we started developing the flow suit. Um, and we sat down, and we were like, what can we do um, to make the flow suit better than the trip suit? So uh, one of the big things that we did was look at the actual fabrics that were available from a variety of different suppliers. And we decided that uh, the fabric in the, in, in the trip suit could be improved, uh, but we couldn't find anything that we wanted. So we, we designed our own fabric. Um, and you see this fabric uh, implemented in the flow suit. Um, so in some ways, the flow suit is quite similar to the trip suit, but it's like version two of the trip suit, if you like. You've still got the trips, but then you've got this improved fabric that we developed with Aerocoach. Um, and then you've also got some uh, additional paneling in there that you know just tweaks how the air is moving over the rider, as Xavier was saying earlier, to try and uh, you know delay that separation. Just looking at the, the photos of the, the flow suit here, uh, the, the trips, are they, I'm seeing like the striped panels on the shoulders and sort of on the, the forearms, are those the trips or is that just graphics that I'm looking at? <laughs> uh, so the trips sit on, uh, on the bicep about 45 degree of center, if you can see that on, on, the, on the screen there. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not looking at the same screen, so I'm describing how I see the suit looking. Um, but yeah, so you have a trip seam that sits sort of just on the outer edge of the of the bicep, and that's uh, meant to be located in, in the point, you know, in a good point um, to uh, help the air separate at the right time, basically. And so I just want to make it clear to the the listeners that basically you're using a an actual seam, just connecting two panels of cloth, as an aerodynamic tool, uh, which is which is great. I mean, it's, it's such a natural integration into something you were going to do anyway, right? <laughs> it's like it's like taking a process that that you were doing anyway and and make, using it to your advantage. Um, and I see also some seams uh, low on the forearm, uh, you know, kind of at the crook of the elbow. Is that another trip, or is that just consequently 
Yeah, so that's a um, basically a, a modification to get the fit right on the suit. So you could have like a straight sleeve, for example, and it'd be like a hoodie that didn't have any, you know, any seam around the elbow. But what we're trying to do there is pre-bend the elbows on the suit so that there's no excess material. Because uh, the principles Xavier was saying earlier about in the early days, people were saying they don't want less wrinkles um, and things like that. That's still, you know, uh, quite critical. You don't want uh, wrinkling in the wrong place because that's going to have a negative effect. Uh, now, air flows over the rider's back, especially in the time trial position. Can you talk a little bit about the back of the garment and how the seams are functioning there as well or what trips are, are on the back and why they ended up in the positions they're in? Uh, there's not so many trips on the on the back edge of the suit. I mean, it's uh, so you, you have them on the uh, on the arms and then they're over the they're over the back of the sort of torso as it follows down the back in an effort to control the airflow down over the rider's back. Um, and that brings you nicely into then the no pin speed pocket, which is like a seamless you know, system. So there's no pinned on number there acting like a parachute. Um, and, and the airflow should leave the rider fairly cleanly at that point. And, and it's worth me, I was actually gonna ask about the pocket next because I, I, I recall seeing those on skin suits, I mean, just within the last few years, uh, and, and, and is that, so is, what is that made of? What is, what is the, the outer sleeve of that pocket? That's where you put your race number for those of you who are not actively looking at the website right now. Correct. Yeah. I mean, uh, so obviously the most important thing with the race number is you still need to be able to see it. Um, so it's made of basically a, a clear, uh, plastic polyurethane that's flexible. Um, has a slight bit of breathability to it but yeah that's so you you put your number from the inside of the suit and it's sealed cleanly there's no pins or anything like that hence the name no pins so oh I'm, all right there that makes sense that's the name yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> um so this is a question for either of you uh that can answer it knowledgeably is you know say i am i am not a a tt guy uh and the skin suit does not appeal to me for a regular stage. Uh, you know, what, what, what are the differences in terms of design between a skin suit and a regular kit that I would use, say on that climbing stage that we talked about earlier, right? Where, where a lot of these aerodynamics would still benefit me, but maybe I'm not going to wear, you know, a long sleeve skin suit. Maybe I'm wearing a one piece skin suit or excuse me, a short sleeve, uh, skin suit, but is there a way to make a two piece, uh, kit? as aerodynamic or at least as as aerodynamic as possible to make it beneficial for everything else besides time trials yeah i mean uh, i'll put my answer in on this one first i mean uh, you're seeing more and more now that the pro guys opt out of using the two-piece um even in mountain stages um you know sprint stages you know recently we've we do a lot of uh, work for world tour teams making suits under white label um, we attend all the training camps and scan the riders so we get the perfect measurements of the rider. And it, for a while, it was like, well, the first couple of years we went, it was all about the TT skin suits. But now the riders have really realized that, um, you know, being, like Xavier was saying earlier, being aero in the road stages is massively important. That doesn't matter whether it's a sprint stage or whether it's a climb and descend stage. And those guys are all like wanting to be in one piece. I mean, you could split it and be in, be in a two-piece. But to be honest, it's more comfortable a one-piece. You haven't got the bib straps of the shorts. Um, you know, there's, there's, all, there's all sorts of uh, pros to, to not having a two-piece. Like there's no gripper bands, stuff like that. That's, that's, that's ultimately going to be uh, slightly less aero. I was just going to say, I mean, the, the, the question you had 
about is it is it possible to improve the aerodynamics to an extent like you do with the with the TT suit? Um, a lot of the same technology still applies, and I think that um, certainly looking at the front of the flow suit, and you can see how you've got this kind of big V coming down, and you can see the the the, the lines, which is the the fabric we're using, has got lines in it. Um, that's directing the airflow around around the rider's torso, and there's a lot of stuff you can do uh, in a road upright position to um, direct the airflow around the back of the rider and, and yeah, reduce that separation, uh, the, sorry, the, the low pressure drag at the back, low pressure wake at the back uh, in a similar way. You just have to, uh, and, you know, the, the, the concepts are similar. You just have to do it slightly differently. That's all. <laughs> so just in the, in a couple minutes we have left uh, before we wrap up here, I'm, I'm curious, you know, as a consumer, you know, I'm thinking about, okay, now I have my, my arrow bike with my arrow wheels. I've got my arrow helmet. Uh, all of these things together save, you know, a certain amount of time over 40K or whatever. Um, what is what is the impact of the, my clothing? I mean, is it going to make a big enough impact? Would it make a bigger impact, say, than, you know, having a, a deeper section wheel? Um, where does it where does it fit on the hierarchy of, of aerodynamic gains, I guess, is the question I'm asking. You know, the ride is bigger than anything else, you know, uh, basically. I mean, Davide might say differently. He's going to say wheels because he makes wheels. But uh, yeah, I think you know, like the the silhouette of the of the rider is you know massive in comparison to the silhouette of the bike. Um, you know, and I, so I think clothing is one of the most important uh, things, and that's why you're seeing uh, big advancements in clothing. And like I said earlier, the, the all the riders wanting to be in aero clothing all the time. Yeah, I, I like to use the analogy of um, when we were talking to riders about this: is if we covered your bike frame in a surface texture, let's say we covered it in, in hair or something, then you'd be aghast and you'd say, oh, that'd be terribly, terribly slow. And you say, right, well, the surface area, total surface area of the bike frame is about the same as, you know, one of your legs. <laughs> and so people obviously are happy to shave their legs because they know that it's more aerodynamic. And if you think about the surface area of the total body, it, it, as Blake says, he's perfectly right, it's, it's enormous. And so ensuring that your um, your friction drag, as we were explaining earlier, is as low as possible by um, reducing it on the rider will have more of an impact than something like the frame. Uh, and in some instances, the wheels, of course, yeah. So so basically the, the takeaway here is, is, you know, everything works holistically, of course, but, you know, you're, you're the biggest surface area of any any uh, bike and rider is the rider himself. So the clothing aerodynamics make a whole lot of sense. Uh, and also, honestly, let's, you know, let's make sure that we also mention that body position has a lot to do with it as well. So, you know, again, it's a holistic approach to reducing drag. And, and this is vitally important to racers, especially at the top, top echelons of our sport. Uh, Blake and uh, Xavier, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, Blake, we'll start with you. If, if people want to find you on uh, social media, where can they reach out to you or to NoPins? Uh, NoPins.com. Uh, you've got all our social channels on, on the website there. You can see them. I think we're just at NoPins on um, Instagram. Um, so, yeah, feel free to contact us on there. Great. And uh, Xavier, where can they find you on social media if uh, people have questions? So uh, we're at aero-coach.co.uk, which is our website. And then we're on Facebook. And I also try and do the odd aero tidbit on Twitter. So Xavier Disley uh, um, on Twitter. And I'll put up occasionally a few things that are fun during Tour de France and, you know, big, big cycling races for people to have a look at. 
Awesome. Thank you guys. And, and, uh, you can always reach out to at Rulure magazine with any questions. Uh, and you can find me specifically on Twitter at slow guy fast ride or on, uh, Instagram, uh, at slow guy on the fast ride. I'm happy to answer your questions, pass them on to Blake and Xavier and pester them again. Uh, if you guys want me to, uh, so feel free to reach out. Uh, and thank you all for listening to the Rulure tech podcast, Blake and Xavier. Thank you so much for joining me. We will see you guys all on the next episode. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.